We are continuing our series called Unshakable. We are in part three of a series that is based on a verse from Psalm 125, verse one. Oh, and by the way, I should say before I start, in case you were looking for the handout for today's message, it's in the links, okay? It's in the, in the, in the link, the description of this YouTube video. Also, okay, you could also go to stsa.church slash online, stsa.church slash online, where you can get the handout there, as well as some discussion questions that you can use after the message is over. So, like I said, we're in part three of a series called Unshakable. We are talking about this one verse from Psalm 125, verse one, that says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. We are in a series about how to be invincible. And the whole point of this series is that, you know, when we started this series, we didn't realize how relevant it would be, obviously, with what's going on in the world. But the whole point of this series is that life is like an ocean. And it is one series of, of, of events after another. It's just like an ocean with one wave after the other. The first wave comes, you survive it, here comes another wave, here comes another wave, here comes another wave, life never stops. Year after year, month after month, okay, it is one, I don't want to say hardship or trial, but one wave after another. Like today, we're struggling through this virus situation and this pandemic that's going on. And it's a big deal and it's all hands on deck and it's consuming all of us. But you know what? It will pass, just like everything else has passed. But I don't think that, 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 I don't think that means that nothing is going to come after that. I think after that, there's going to be something else and then something else. So if it's not the virus, it's going to be the, the economy, okay, and how everything kind of went downhill this past week. And if it's not the economy, it's going to be crime and violence. And if it's not crime and violence, it's going to be natural, disas natural disasters. And if we pass all those things, like we haven't even gotten to the major news of this year, okay, which is the election, the presidential election. So you know what? Life is just one series of hardships and trials and things that try to shake us. You have two choices when you get hit with these events. You are either going to panic and be consumed and be, and be, be uh, filled with anxiety and fear, or you'll be unshakable. And that's our goal, is to be like the mountain here. The mountain, no matter what hits a mountain, it doesn't move. No matter, no matter what the, the weather is, the, 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 the mountain doesn't move. No matter what runs into it, the mountain doesn't move. And we, our goal is to be like that mountain. Back to the ocean analogy. The goal isn't to stop the waves of this life because you're never gonna stop the waves of life. The goal is to learn how to swim or how to float and stay above the waves no matter what the world may throw at us. And according to this verse, the way that we do that is by trusting in God. So we talked about it from the first week that trusting God requires two steps. There's like a God part and a me part. So the first is understanding the attributes of God. I have to know who God is. It's like in the game of the trust falls when you fall back. In order for me to take that step and fall back, I got to know that the person who's there loves me and is strong enough to catch me and is, is paying attention and isn't sleeping on the job. I got to know who God is. So first is, I got to know the attributes of God. But then the second step is that I got to take that step. And I got to be willing to say, you know what? I know who God is, but knowing that God is strong, like knowing the person behind me is capable of catching me, I still have to take that step. So what we're doing in this series is every week, we're looking at a different attribute of God. 
and then we're looking at a practical way that we can practice taking a step. First week, for those who were with us last week, we talked about the sovereignty of God and about how at all times, all circumstances are fully in the hand of God. No circumstance, no situation, no trial, no hardship is ever outside the hand of God. I showed you that picture last week, okay, of Pantocrator, where God has the whole world in his hand, okay? Put the whole world in his hand. And it's important to know the sovereignty of God first because that sets the boundaries for us. And that tells us that life is not chaos. Life is not out of control. Life is not random events that are happening. No matter what happens to me, it's right here in the hand of God. I may not like what happens. I may not understand what happens. But I know that whatever it is that's happening is not outside the hand of God. And that makes me feel good. All right? It makes me feel good knowing that my life is not just random sets of events. It makes me feel good knowing that there is someone in control. I wish it was me that was in control, okay? But I realize that even if I'm not in control, that someone is in control and this universe is not chaos. So that was the first week. We talked about the sovereignty of God. This week is the continuation, okay? Really, we talked about this in my life group this past week. You really can't just know the sovereignty of God alone without discussing today's topic, which is the goodness of God. And the reason why that's so important is the more we focus on the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty without goodness is scary. Like, what would the world be if I told you there is a power in this world who is almighty and has everything under his control? That's a scary thought. That's what a dictator is, okay? But the good thing for us is the one who has all power and all, all control, his essence is goodness. And we're going to talk about that here today. October 21st, 1966, South Wales. There was a coal mining accident that happened in a village near, in, in South Wales that led to a volcano erupting and it led to a landslide which ended up coming down upon a school of elementary school children and 109 school-aged kids were killed in that event. 109 kids killed by this, this landslide that took place back in 1966. The BBC News reported on this and they had a quote from someone who was um, there at the time. And that person said the following. He said, I suppose we have to admit that this is one of those occasions when the Almighty made a mistake. That person who said that quote was a local church pastor. And as soon as I say that, we're kind of appalled by the blasphemy of such a statement. But if we're honest, let's be honest right here. We kind of understand. And at times we kind of agree. Because we've all been in a situation where we look at it and say, why would God allow that? Like, why would God do that? Why would God make that at this time? Why would God allow the single mother to be the one who gets the cancer? Like she didn't have enough on her plate, now she gets the breast cancer. Why would God allow the lady, I'm sorry, the children whose dad already died why would it be that that mother ends up dying as well? Like that why the kids who only have one parent would be the ones who would lose it and end up being orphans? Why would the layoffs happen at that time, the worst possible time? And let's be honest, we, it gets even more personal than this. Why would I 
Why is it that I obeyed God? I did what God wanted me to do. I served God. I prayed. I went to church. And everyone else's prayers seem to be answered except mine. Why is it that the wicked are prospering while the good are suffering? Why is it that guys, why is it that good guys finish last? Why is it that nice girls don't seem to be rewarded as such in the same way as the not nice girls? We've all been there and asking these questions. And you know what makes it tougher to answer these questions, to be honest? It's tougher to answer these questions after last week's message. Because last week we talked about the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God says that everything's under God's control. So you know what? I'd have almost been better off not knowing that God is sovereign, thinking that, you know what? That God is doing his best and God is trying to help me and God is loving. But you know what? There's just certain things that's outside of his control. That would have somehow kind of made me feel better in some ways. But knowing that he's in full control, he's got the world in the palm of his hands, including my circumstances, yet he allowed this to happen, begs us to ask the question, is God with me or not with me? Is he on my side or not on my side? Is he working with me or working against me? And the answer to that question is not easy, but it is simple. And sometimes the simplest statements are the most profound. And the answer is this, Psalm 145 verse 9. Simply put, the Lord is good to all. This one word, God is good, believe me, just like I said last week, sovereignty of God can change your life. Goodness of God, I promise you, can change your life. It's hard for us to process God's goodness sometimes in the midst of so much bad. But our job is to trust in God's goodness, not to judge him for what we deem to be good and not good. Let me say that one again. Our job is to trust that God is good, not to judge him based on our definition of what is good and not good. If you look in the liturgical prayers, do we ever mention the goodness of God? If you, you, you won't, maybe not have realized it, but throughout our liturgical prayers, the word goodness is, is thrown about. Fill in the blanks here at home. We say, um, we ask and entreat your goodness, O lover of mankind. We say, we worship you, O Christ, together with your good Father and the Holy Spirit. When we get to Holy Week, okay, we're going to, when we sing the hymn of thine is the power, we say, uh, O my Lord Jesus Christ, my good Savior. And so many other examples, okay? Jesus didn't come in the Gospels and say, I am the shepherd of the sheep. He said, I am the good shepherd. The word good is all over the place. The question for us today is, what does that word good mean? And how does that change my approach to life? Let's start with the definition. If I were to ask you to define the word good, what would you say? Good is one of those words that like we all kind of know what it means, but try to put it into a definition. Good is what would you say? How would you define it? Good is one of those things that we all think we know what it is, but it's really hard to put into words. So what I did is I went to online, I went to dictionary.com, and I looked up the word good. You know how sometimes when, when, when you look up a word, there's like multiple definitions? Okay, like one, two, three, four, whatever it may be. How many definitions did I find for the word good? 58. There were 58 entries for the word good, which tells me simply 
that even the guys who wrote the dictionary don't know what the word good means. Because when you have 58 definitions, that means you yourself struggle with it as well. But here's the thing. Not being able to define good doesn't stop us from thinking that we can identify it. Not being able to define it. I don't know how to define what is good, but that doesn't stop me from thinking that I can at least identify it and spot it when I see it. But I would argue that maybe, maybe we're not as good at spotting goodness, sorry, as we may think. And I would say specifically, our definition of goodness is lacking for three reasons. Our definition of goodness is subjective. It is self-serving and it is short-sighted. We decide what we, what we want and what makes us feel good and it's totally subjective, it's totally self-serving, it's totally short-sighted. We decide this is good and once we put it in, that in our mind, anything to the contrary we determine is not good. For example, it's good when I get a raise. That's good. It's good when that boy asks me out. That's good. It's good when my in-laws move to Alaska. That's good. These are all things that we would say, these are good things. My wife didn't like that in-laws comment right there, okay? <laughs> but then we would look at different things and say, they're not good. So it's good when I get a raise. We would say it's not good when my car breaks. It's good when a boy asks me out. It's not good when the boy asked another girl out. It's good when my in-laws move to Alaska. It's not good when my in-laws move into my basement. <laughs> okay? We make a decision what is good and not good, but let me ask you a question. Is it possible, here's subjective self-serving short-sighted, is it possible that something may be good for one person and not good for another? Like I said a minute ago, it's not good when your car breaks. But is your car breaking potentially good for someone else? Yeah. How about the mechanic who doesn't know how he's going to pay for uh, his kid's braces? Your car breaking is good for him. I told you, okay, that short-sighted, sometimes our definition of good is short-sighted, not, not, is short-sighted versus long-term sighted. Is it possible that you determine something as good today and tomorrow you may realize is not good? Or you may determine something is not good today and tomorrow realize that it is good? Like for example, a minute ago I said that in-laws example. Okay, it is not good that my in-laws are moving in with me. But then let's say a month later you find out that you and your wife are pregnant. And now all of a sudden you got free childcare. Now all of a sudden that decision which was not good before all of a sudden is become very, very, very good. Is it possible that sometimes you're just flat out wrong about what's good and not good? That boy asks me out, that's good. Well, maybe that boy who hasn't had a job for 10 years and has no redeeming qualities whatsoever, okay, he just, but he's got a really nice smile, he's got cute little dimples, he's got these great little eyes or whatever it may be, maybe him asking you out in the long run isn't that good. Maybe it's good for you in the moment, but maybe 10 years down the road you're gonna realize, man, this was not good what had took place. So then I ask you a different question. I'm going to be a little philosophical right here. Is there such a thing as absolute good? Can something be absolutely all the time good? I think the answer is yes. But I don't think something is absolute good. I think someone is absolute good. 
Jesus said it this way, Mark chapter 10, verse 18, when a young man came to him and called him a good teacher, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. Now, obviously, Jesus, okay, being one with God, is good, but the context here is that the guy didn't know that he was God. He thought he was just a teacher. So he's saying, why would you call any teacher? Why would you call any person? Why would you call anything good? No one is good but one, and that is God. Last week, we talked about the sovereignty of God, and we talked about how God is not the most powerful person. God is the only person that has any power. It's not like there's certain people who are strong, stronger, 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 and then God is just at the top of the list. No, God is the only one who has any power. Same thing with good. I'm not saying that God is the most good. I'm not saying that like, so that's how kind of we judge it. Like there's like me, okay, there's my goodness. And then you, you're a better person than me. And then like the bishop and then like the Pope and then like God. So it's just like this scale of goodness and God is at the top of the scale. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is God is good, nothing else fits in that same category. God is the only source of goodness. And you say, but Father Anthony, we see good around us all the time and people are good. What I'm saying is God is good. And if God is present, then good is present. And if God is absent, then good is absent. Forgive me if I be a little philosophical right here, but it's a, it's a, it's a special circumstance today, so I'll try to be a little philosophical. You go to science class, you go to physics class, or whatever class it was, they will tell you that darkness does not exist. Darkness is simply the absence of light. There's no, you can't put darkness into a body. You cannot capture darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. I would say that evil or not good, okay, I'll use those two, two terms interchangeably. When something is not good or something is evil, evil doesn't exist in the same way like darkness. What I would say, evil is the absence of good or the absence of God, because God is good. How's that philosophy majors right there? Let you play with that one for a little bit. No matter what my mind, my subjective, my self-serving, my short-sighted mind will tell me God is good. And he doesn't need to meet my definition, my subjective, short-sighted, and self-serving definition. He is good. And therefore, if he is in it, it is good. And if he is not in it, it is not good. Last week, I showed you a picture about God the Pantocrator and about how he's got the whole world in his hand. I want to show you a similar picture, but a very different picture. And here you have the same God, the same Pantocrator, but now, instead of holding the whole world, he's holding one little lamb, one little sheep. This actually is like my favorite picture on the planet. Actually, I got this hanging in my, in my bedroom. Okay, and I love this picture. And I love this picture in comparison to that picture I had last week. Last week I had a picture of God, whole world in his hands. But you know what? The whole world, is, it's not just the whole world in his hands. Let's take that whole world and let's zoom down. All right, and let's say, forget about all the galaxies. Let's just talk about our galaxy. Forget about all the solar systems. Let's just go to our solar system. And then forget about everything in our solar system. Let's just go to our planet. Forget about all the other planets. We don't care about any of those planets anyway. Just our planet. And then forget about all the places on this planet, okay? Let's just go to our continent. Let's go to North America. We don't want to talk about those other continents. And then forget about all the countries in our continent. We don't care about the North or the South. Sorry, Canada and Mexico. We just talk about America. And then forget about all of America. Let's just go to the East Coast. Let's go to Virginia. And then forget about all of Virginia. Let's just go down to Arlington, Virginia. And then forget about all of Arlington. Let's just go 
to my house, to my street, to my room. What I'm going to find is the same God, the same hands that hold the universe, the galaxies, the planets in his hand, the same God who holds me in his hand. The stars, the moon, the galaxies, the planets, and me. And as any dad with any child, okay, again, he's not just Punta Couture, but he's also good. As any dad, what is the desire of a father for his child? I would say this, okay, what is God's goodness? Let's get, this is our working definition. I told you our definition, short-sighted, self-serving, subjective. Let's go with a better definition of God's goodness. I would say that God's goodness means that he is always working for two things, my perfection and his glory. That's what this picture shows me right here. God is always working for my perfection and for his glory. And the two are tied together. Think about it this way. If I have, like I'm a dad and I have two children, what is it, okay, let's say right here, my glory. What is it that like I show off about? What is it that like gives me pride? What is it that I say, you know what, yes, like I like to talk about this and brag about this. Isn't it that my kids are successful and that my kids are like contributing members of society and my kids are doing good? Like their success and my pride are connected together. Well, God is the same way. God, the two things are tied together and there's no distinction. My perfection, and my perfection means, means like becoming in the image of Christ. Okay, my, my journey towards perfection, being that perfect image of Christ, is his glory. And his glory is my perfection. What he wants for himself is my perfection. And what's best for me ends up leading to his glory. The two are connected together just like any dad. Every act that God does, this is important. This is God's goodness. Every act that God does, sovereign hand of God, every act that God does is for my perfection and for his glory. So last week I told you all in the palm of his hand. This week, what I'm telling you is the purpose of everything that he does is those two things. Let's get a Bible verse right here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So look how it says all these things which may be happening, which may be negative. Goal is to perfect you. One of the things that we say in the church prayers every Saturday night when we pray the Vespers prayers, the litany of the departed, we say this, which summarizes it so well. It says, grant us our Christian perfection that would be pleasing unto you. See how the two are connected? What pleases God is my perfection, and what perfects me is that which pleases God. The two are connected together. So, God's goodness, everything that he does is for my perfection and his glory. Is that easy or not easy? Simple, right? Whether it's sickness, whether it's layoff, whether it's trials, whether it's hurt, whether it's quarantines, all for my good, my perfection, and for his glory. I don't think that's easy to do. So what we want to talk about now is how to practice this. Like, how do I know if I'm doing this or not? How can I tell? Like, do I have to be, are you saying, Father Anthony, we need to walk out of here and say, yes, we love getting sick. 
Sickness, yes, we love sickness. We love getting laid off. We love it that we're lonely. We love it that we have trials. We love it that all of our bank accounts went to zero. We love it, we love it. Is that, is that what we're saying? No, I'm not saying you have to be fake. And I'm not saying you have to enjoy the things that are happening. But what I'm saying, trusting God's goodness, means to do two things, which are kind of the same thing, but I'm saying it in two different ways. To joyfully accept, I'll go one step further, embrace whatever God sends. To trust God's goodness means to joyfully accept and embrace whatever God sends my way. I don't have to like it. You don't have to like something to accept it. But what you do have to do is be able to turn your bitter accepted, like sometimes you can accept things in a bitter way or in a resentful way or in a, like, I don't want to and I'm kind of kicking and screaming and take my ball and go home versus embracing it and joyfully accepting it and saying, you know what? I don't want to be sick. I don't want to get laid off. I don't want to be in this lonely phase. I don't want the world to be chaotic around me. I don't want all these hardships. I don't want any of those things. But you know what, God? If you send it, if you send it, you are good. And you only work for my perfection and for your glory. So if you send it and you're sovereign, then I trust you. And I don't know where it's going to go. And I don't know what's going to happen. But you know what? I will stop, as, as, as God said to St. Paul, kicking against the goads. I will stop trying to smash my head against this wall to get it knocked down. I will accept joyfully whatever it is that you send. I will even, I know this is hard to say, I will even embrace it. And I will say, if God sends it, I don't understand it, but I trust that there's a goodness behind it. In our life group this past week, actually someone shared something which I thought was very profound and it touched me very much. This person said, you know what? He said, I've, been, I've gone through different phases in life. I've been like close to God and not close to God. And I've kind of gone through different, different things. And this person said, the times where I was most at peace, times where I was the happiest, was when I said that everything in my life comes from God's hand. And so that person said, and I said, you know what? That's amen to that. Because the times in my life where I say, you know what, I don't understand, but I accept it as from you, God. I embrace it. That's the times where I can sleep easy at night. That's the times I can say, I don't know why there's viruses all around. I don't know why there's chaos all around. I don't know why all these things are happening, but God, you're in control and you are good. So if you allowed it, I accept it and I embrace whatever it is that you send. Is that easy or not easy? It would be easy if it wasn't for one simple problem. The simple problem is that I don't accept it, that I don't want it. In fact, I spend my entire life from the moment I wake up to actually get rid of this thing that God has sent. So you know what? I don't see any good in this. I'll never see any good in this. I think this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. I think this is ruining my life. So as much as Father Anthony, I appreciate very much your nice words. Sounds very spiritual, coronavirus, accept whatever. Okay, I accept it that way. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, I hate this thing and I can never see any good from it. Well, that's kind of the point of this series. That's kind of what trust means. Trust means to take a chance, to take a step. Remember the trust fall, to fall back, even though you don't know. You know who God is, but I don't know. And that's what trust means ultimately. And here's how I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Are you able to get past what you have determined in your subjective, short-sighted, self-serving mind. 
That's all of us, okay? We all think that we are unbiased. All of us are biased. All of us are selfish. All of us are very short-sighted. All of us. So are you able in your short-sighted, subjective, self-serving mindset to be able to say, you know what? Maybe, maybe I don't know what's good. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I see something as good today, but maybe tomorrow I'll regret it. Maybe I see something as good, but maybe, you know what, I'll come to realize that actually it was only good for me, but it was not good for anybody else. Are you able to trust what he says is good versus what you think is good? And I'm telling you, not just accept, but joyfully accept. Because if you leave the door open for bitterness and resentment, okay, I'm telling you, the devil can take that small crack Okay. Actually, he did that today for those who did the readings this morning of the prodigal son, that older brother in the prodigal son story. That's exactly it. All those years, he served his father, served his father, but he clearly was doing it bitterly. And it just came a point in time that door was cracked open like this. All of a sudden came a point in time the devil blew it wide open. Same thing's going to happen if you cannot learn to trust in God's goodness. We're going to look at a passage from Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see the first time that mankind was faced with this dilemma. Do I trust that God is good in what he says, or do I trust what I think to be good? Do I trust God's absolute word, or do I trust my subjective, short-sighted, self-serving views and opinions? In the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, God created everything. And God, after created everything, said, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. He created man and woman. He said, it is very good. And God told man, See all this goodness right here? Man, this is all yours. You can do what you want. You can eat what you want. All the animals belong to you. You tame everything. All of it belongs to you. There's just one tree that is not good for you to eat. Everything else is good. There's one tree that is not good. Everything good, one tree, not good. And then all of a sudden, the devil comes and he causes man to question it. And the devil will read the story right now comes to Eve and basically has her question. God said that's not good. Are you sure? What makes you so sure that he's right? Why would that not be good? Isn't that, doesn't it look good? What do you think? And he challenged her to question or to doubt God's goodness in favor of her own. We'll pick up the story, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, watch what he does here. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Like he asked her a question. Are you sure God said that? Of course he said that. She knew that he said that. Has God indeed said that? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. This should have been the end of the conversation. The devil came and said, hey, you know that, that's good to eat. And then Eve said, no, we were told that is not good. God said that is not good. It's not a discussion. God said not good, therefore not good. God is the only source of absolute goodness. But unfortunately, there was a crack. She, she had accepted what God said, but clearly there was a little bit of doubting, a little bit of, 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 of resenting what God had said. Verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See what the devil did right there? The devil said, God said, this is good, this is not good. Devil came and said, are you sure that's not good? 
Are you sure God's not tricking you? Because you know, if you eat of it, you'll actually be the one who can determine what's good and what's not good. Verse six, saddest verse in the Bible. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, I put dot, dot, dot here. We don't need to finish the verse because basically the story's over right now. The story's over. And uh, right, there's no way the story can end well because what happened next, the eight, Okay, and then, and then everything went downhill after that. But my point is, the battle was lost right here. This is the first, okay, for the young people out there, OMG moment in the scriptures, if you ask me. The first, oh my goodness moment, oh my goodness moment, oh my goodness moment, where how, Eve, could you let the devil convince you that the fruit is good? No, no, no. God is good. God is good, and God said that is not good. But then you allowed him to convince you that that's good and not he's good. And what happened, as you know the story, is at this moment in time, Eve foolishly threw away everything that was good. She lost everything. Why? Because she thought she knew more than God. She thought that she was the judge of good and not good. And instead of trusting his word, she ended up going with what she believed in her mind. And I'm telling you, every problem that we have in the world today is because of that. And let's be honest, it's not just Eve. Like, let's be honest, maybe the reason, let's be honest, maybe the reason for some of the problems in our life, maybe the reason for all of the problems in our life is exactly this point. Maybe we think we know what good is and we don't trust what God says. Maybe instead of trusting his, his opinion or his, or his statement about this is good and not good, maybe instead we're going with our short-sighted, subjective, and self-serving opinions instead of trusting what he says. Maybe we look at our individual circumstances, the individual events of light. We look at things one at a time and we say to ourselves, how can this be good? No good can come of this. This is clearly evil. And then we are dumb enough Forgive me, we are arrogant enough, arrogant enough to judge the very author and source of all goodness instead of trusting his opinion. The one who was really good at this was Job. Y'all know the story of Job in the Old Testament. Job had a tough life. That's an understatement to say the least. Like this coronavirus business, if you threw that at Job, Okay, that would be like a commercial break for him. Okay, that'd be, that'd be nothing. Job saw more bad in one day than most of us would see in a lifetime. And when Job was suffering, his friends, his neighbors, even his own wife came to him and said, Job, God has failed you. God has let you down. God is not doing good by you. Like, you just curse God and die. Like, God has left you. God is not good. The one who you served is not good. He's messed you up. And Job one of the best verses in the, in the entire Bible, one of the best verses, I've told many people this verse in confession maybe before, is Job 2.10. Someone will tell me something and I'll tell them, go look up Job 2.10. Go look up Job 2.10. Job 2.10 says this. This is how Job responded when the people were getting him to question God's goodness. He said, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. You speak as one of the foolish women speaks, saying this to his wife. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? Saying very simple. Look here, man. God has given, God has given, God has given, God has given. No one said anything during any of that time. Everything that we have is from his hand. Then one time he gave us something that we didn't determine is good. Shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? What Job said, in a nutshell, 
I will trust in the goodness of the giver despite what I see in the gift. I will trust in the goodness of the giver despite what I see in the gift. Job says, you know what? I will accept whatever God sends. I will let him determine what is good and bad. I will embrace it knowing that he is sovereign. All things are in the palm of his hand and he is good. Always working for my perfection and his glory. And Job was willing to do something that I'm going to challenge you. Something that Eve was not willing to do. Job was willing to let go of being the judge of good and evil. Job was willing to trust that he's not the best source to determine something's goodness or badness. Job was willing to accept that my view of good is a very narrow view. And just because something doesn't fit my narrow view of what is good doesn't mean that it isn't good. It just simply means that I don't get it. That's why you know what Job was in the end? You know why Job was different than Eve? Job was unshakable. Job was invincible. Job was that mountain. And believe you me, nobody faced more than Job. Okay, Eve got that one temptation and she fell. We get temptations and we fall. Job got more than anybody else on this planet. And Job faced every one of them. He was a mountain. He was immovable. He was wobbly at times, but in the end he stood firm. He stood firm because he trusted in God's sovereignty and in God's goodness more than in his own. And I'll challenge you that maybe that's what's lacking in your life. Maybe your, your, your struggles are less about God being fair and God being good. Maybe it's about you trusting in his goodness instead of questioning it. So I want to leave you with two things. I'm going to leave you with a verse and a picture. But the picture is not going to be up on the screen. It's going to be a picture I'm going to draw with my, with my words right here. But first, let me give you the verse. The verse says this, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. We can take this word blessed and we can change it out for another word. We can say taste and see that the Lord is good. Unshakable is the man who trusts in him. At peace is the man who trusts in him. Invincible is the man who trusts in him. Oh, taste and see. Take that step. Embrace what God says. Joyfully accept it. Take that step and you will see the blessing, the peace, the invincibility, the unshakableness that will be bestowed upon you. I want to finish you off with a word picture right here, a picture of something that's in my mind. These days we're in the time of Lent, okay? And when we're in Lent, for those who are new to the church, we're vegan 100% and we don't eat any animal products, at least we shouldn't, I should say, any animal products, any dairy products. And these days it's not that big a deal because you can buy everything vegan, okay? Like, you know, we can get the vegan chicken nuggets, okay? You can get the vegan hot dogs, all right? You can get those little, those little, uh, uh, the little sausage things, okay? Which my wife puts in the pasta, which is just fantastic. And I don't know how that stuff is vegan, but you can make anything you want vegan these days. But back in the day when we were growing up, it wasn't that way. Like our moms had to figure that stuff out, okay? And there wasn't Pinterest with recipes and all that stuff. They had them, them, them recipe books, okay? And they would call each other and tell each other recipes and things like that. So our moms had to be creative. They had to take ordinary ingredients. There wasn't as much as there is today. And they had to take the ordinary and somehow make creative stuff out of it. My mom was a rock star when it came to this, in my opinion, right? My mom was a rock star at taking ordinary, nasty stuff and making it into something delicious. And there was one particular dish that she would make every time during the fast, which I looked forward to. I don't know what his name was. She kind of made it up. I called it 
noodle raisins, okay? <laughs> noodle raisins or raisin noodles, you can go whichever way. It's a made-up dish. And let me tell you the ingredients. I'm sure there was more to it, but it started with ramen noodles. Like ramen noodles, which are like 10 cents for a whole pack of them, like nothing. And then there was soy milk, which I never liked it, okay? Thought it was nasty. And then she had some raisins. So there was the soy milk, okay? And my wife is saying probably there was some sugar in there. I'm sure there was lots of sugar in there, okay? But I knew that there was the ramen noodles, I knew that there was the soy milk, and I knew there was the raisins. Wasn't a huge fan of the ramen noodles. Soy milk was yucky. Raisins are like okay, but no one's gonna like break down the, the, the door for raisins, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're a nice snack treat, but I mean, they're nothing to write home about. But I'm telling you, man, my mom mixed them ramen noodles, that soy milk, and those raisins, she did her thing with it and she made her noodle raisins. And I'm telling you, the sweet, sweet, sweetness of this dessert. Man, I could eat this stuff all year round, this noodle raisin. But here's the thing. When you first look at the noodle raisin and you're like, what's in there? You say noodles. You say soy milk. You say raisins. Ah, I don't want it. Why you don't want it? Because it's not good. How you know it's not good? Because I don't like any of those ingredients. And I would say to you, oh, taste and see. In this case, my mom is good. Taste and see that she knows what she's doing. Taste and see that she's got a plan. And blessed is that man who trusts in that plan and trusts in her goodness. And believe me, if you had my mom noodle raisin, you would certainly know what it means to be blessed. And I'm telling you, okay, all joking aside, that was the joke, now here's the serious. Here's the serious, here's the serious. Are you willing to trust God more than you trust my mom? Are you willing to trust God more than you trust my mom? I told you my mom, you'd say, bring the noodle raisin. You're willing to take a step. You're willing to trust her. Are you willing to trust God more and his goodness and his sovereignty? If so, the only way is to take a step. The only way. Only way to be blessed Okay, is to taste and see for yourself. Biggest mistake man ever made was thinking that he knew what is good, that he knows what is good, and God doesn't. That was Eve's mistake. That's been the mistake of so many people throughout time. Biggest mistake is to think that we are the judge of good and evil, and God has to abide by our standard. Are you willing to trust sovereign hand of God, all times, all circumstances, in his hand? Are you willing to trust that it's not just under his control, but it is for your good? and for my good, and for our good, and for ultimately for his glory. Are you willing to trust that? I'm telling you, if you say yes to that question, you are one step closer to being invincible, to being unshakable like Mount Zion. And that ultimately, that's what we're here for. All right, that's what we're doing. We talked about in the beginning of the series, we're climbing up a mountain, we're trying to get to that top, we're trying to be that unshakable, that invincible. And the step for this week, the challenge in front of us is to trust that God knows what he's doing, that God has a plan. And even if we don't see it, even if, we, even if we don't get it, we will taste and see, we will take a step and we will be blessed because that's what happens to the man who trusts in the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and say a prayer together. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your kindness and your love for all of us. We thank you, Lord, that you are good and you know what is good and you are willing to pour goodness into our life even when we, when we reject it and we run from it. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to embrace and to joyfully accept whatever you send 
knowing, Lord, that if it's from your hand, it is good, even if we can't see it. Pray, Lord, for all those who are struggling during this time, all those who are in special need of prayers. Pray, Lord, that this time would, would not be a time where we get discouraged and depressed and isolated, but actually a time that blesses all of us and brings us closer to you and closer to one another. We pray this in the name of your Son, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Before I go, I just wanted to say thank you for tuning in. And I just wanted to point all of your attention to a website, stsa.church online. stsa.church online. There you can find lots of different resources that hopefully will be a blessing to you during this time where we're all stuck at home. First is we have life group questions. Okay, we're doing this series as a life group series. Okay, and up until last week, groups have been meeting all over the place. Obviously, with the current situation, none of the groups are able to meet anymore, but that doesn't mean that you can't take those questions and form your own group and do it together online, okay, or through some kind of Google Hangout or, or some kind of online Skype or whatever it may be. So the questions are posted on there. What I'm encouraging everyone to do, okay, so if you're a family of four, family of five, print those questions, go ahead and have lunch together, and then sit around and discuss those questions during lunch. If you live alone, okay, maybe you don't live with others, get a group of friends together. Say, you know what, on, on Monday at 8 p.m., let's get on Skype and let's just do like a 30, 45 minute discussion about this topic. If you are out there and saying, I would love to join in one of these groups, but I don't know where to go, email me, okay, and I'd be happy to help connect you with others who might be meeting, okay, and put you all in a group. So that's number one. The second thing is that on that website, online you will find a form where you can join an email list, okay? So the way it works is we have all kinds of people subscribe to our email list from all over, and we do our best to only send out one email per week so as not to inundate anyone. But to our members, we send a lot of emails, okay? But our hope is not to inundate our guests and our friends from other churches with this, this myriad of emails. But during this time, okay, if you say, you know what, I would love to know more about what you guys are doing because... Just so you know, STSA members, you're going to get a lot of emails from me, okay? You've gotten one now probably four days in a row from me and expect one tomorrow because we are not canceling church. We are ramping up church. We're going to do more stuff online. I got lots of fun stuff planned for this week. So don't think that you're off the hook till next weekend. Absolutely not. And even just on the drive over this morning, we had some great ideas about more stuff that we can do. So if you would like to stay in touch with us, okay, we don't want to email people who just want one email per week. But you go to that, that page, online. And at the top, you can click a form and there we'll create like this temporary mailing list where you'll be able to receive all the emails that I am sending to our church family about when we are going to gather together. Okay, we're going to, to share from the Bible. We're going to have book club stuff together. We're going to try to do some midnight praises together sometime this week. Stay tuned for that. All right. We just want to, we, we don't want to use this time and let this time go and just kind of, we do nothing but watch TV and binge watch uh, on Netflix. Okay. Um, so sign up for that form. Last thing is on that same page, I did a scope yesterday where I talked about eight ways that you can handle that we should approach being stuck at home. And a lot of people were um, enjoying that very much. So you can see that on that same page. Go back to that page. We're gonna keep uploading it with resources as we, they come up, okay? I wish everyone a safe and enjoyable rest of the day. 
And uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. Have a great week, everyone.